Section 14 of Micrographia. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Micrographia by Robert Hooke. Observation 9, Part 2. Let us suppose, therefore, ABC in the second figure to represent a large chemical glass body about two foot long filled with very fair water as high as a b and inclined in a convenient posture with b towards the sun let us further suppose the top of it to be covered with an opacous body all but the whole a b through which the sunbeams are suffered to pass into the water and are thereby refracted to c d e f against which part if a paper be expanded on the outside there will appear all the colors of the rainbow that is there will be generated the two principal colors scarlet and blue and all the intermediate ones which arise from the composition and dilutings of these two that is c d shall exhibit a scarlet which toward d is diluted into a yellow this is the refraction of the ray i k which comes from the underside of the sun and the ray e f shall appear of a deep blue which is gradually towards e diluted into a pale watchet blue between d and e the two diluted colors blue and yellow are mixed and compounded into a green and this i imagine to be the reason why green is so acceptable a color to the eye and that either of the two extremes are if intense rather a little offensive namely the being placed in the middle between the two extremes and compounded out of both these diluted also or somewhat qualified for the composition arising from the mixture of the two extremes undiluted makes a purple which though it be a lovely color and pretty acceptable to the eye it is yet nothing comparable to the ravishing pleasure with which a curious and well-tempered green affects the eye if removing the paper the eye be placed against c d it will perceive the lower side of the sun or a candle at night which is much better because it offends not the eye and is more easily manageable to be of a deep red and if against e f it will perceive the upper part of the luminous body to be of a deep blue and these colors will appear deeper and deeper according as the rays from the luminous body fall more obliquely on the surface of the water and thereby suffer a greater refraction and the more distinct the further c d e f is removed from the trajecting whole so that upon the whole we shall find that the reason of the phenomena seems to depend upon the obliquity of the orbicular pulse to the lines of radiation and in particular that the ray c d which constitutes the scarlet has its inner parts namely those which are next to the middle of the luminous body precedent to the outermost which are contiguous to the dark and unradiating sky and that the ray e f which gives a blue has its outward part namely that which is contiguous to the dark side precedent to the pulse from the innermost which borders on the bright area of the luminous body we may observe further 
that the cause of the diluting of the colours towards the middle proceeds partly from the wideness of the hole through which the rays pass whereby the rays from several parts of the luminous body fall upon many of the same parts between c and f as is more manifest by the figure and partly also from the nature of the refraction itself for the vividness or strength of the two terminating colours arising chiefly as we have seen from the very great difference that is betwixt the outsides of these oblique undulations and the dark rays circumambient and that disparity betwixt the approximate rays decaying gradually the further inward toward the middle of the luminous body they are removed the more must the colour approach to a white or an undisturbed light upon the calculation of the refraction and reflection from a ball of water or glass we have much the same phenomena namely an obliquity of the undulation in the same manner as we have found it here which because it is very much to our present purpose and affords such an instancia crucis as no one that i know has hitherto taken notice of i shall further examine for it does very plainly and positively distinguish and show which of the two hypotheses either the cartesian or this is to be followed by affording a generation of all the colours in the rainbow where according to the cartesian principles there should be none at all generated and secondly by affording an instance that does more closely confine the cause of these phenomena of colours to this present hypothesis and first for the cartesian we have this to object against it that whereas he says meteorum chapter eight section five sed judicabum unicam refractione solicet et minimu riciri et quidem talum ut ejus effectus alia contraria refractione non destruatur non experientia docet se superficies n m and n p nempe refrigentes parallele forent radios tetundem por alterum iterum erectos quantum per unum frangerentur nullos colores depicturos this principle of his holds true indeed in a prism where the refracting surfaces are plain but it is contradicted by the ball or cylinder whether of water or glass where the refracting surfaces are orbicular or cylindrical for if we examine the passage of any globule or ray of the primary iris we shall find it to pass out of the ball or cylinder again with the same inclination and refraction that it entered in withal and that that last refraction by means of the intermediate reflection shall be the same as if without any reflection at all the ray had been twice refracted by two parallel surfaces and that this is true not only in one but in every ray that goes to the constitution of the primary iris nay in every ray that suffers only two refractions and one reflection by the surface of the round body we shall presently see most evident if we repeat the cartesian scheme mentioned in the tenth section of the eighth chapter of his meteors where e f k n p in the third figure is one of the rays of the primary iris 
twice refracted at F and N, and once reflected at K by the surface of the water ball. For, first it is evident, that KF and KN are equal, because KN being the reflected part of KF, they have both the same inclination on the surface K, that is, the angles FKT and NKV made by the two rays and the tangent of K, are equal, which is evident by the laws of reflection. Whence it will follow also, that KN has the same inclination on the surface N, or the tangent of it, XN, that the ray KF has to the surface F, or the tangent of it, FY, whence it must necessarily follow that the refractions at F and N are equal, that is, KFE and KNP are equal. Now, that the surface N is by the reflection at K made parallel to the surface at F is evident from the principles of reflection for a reflection being nothing but an inverting of the rays, if we re-invert the ray KNP and make the same inclinations below the line TKV that it has above, it will be most evident that KH, the inverse of KN, will be the continuation of the line FK, and that LHI, the inverse of OX, is parallel to FY and HM, the inverse of NP, is parallel to EF, for the angle KHI is equal to KNO, which is equal to KFY, and the angle KHM is equal to KNP, which is equal to KFE, which was to be proved. So that according to the above-mentioned Cartesian principles, there should be generated no color at all in a ball of water or glass by two refractions and one reflection, which does hold most true indeed if the surfaces be plain, as may be experimented with any kind of prism where the two refracting surfaces are equally inclined to the reflecting. But in this the phenomena are quite otherwise. The cause, therefore, of the generation of color must not be what Descartes assigns, namely, a certain rotation of the globuli etheriae, which are the particles which he supposes to constitute the pellucid medium, but somewhat else, perhaps what we have lately supposed, and shall by and by further prosecute and explain. But first I shall crave leave to propound some other difficulties of his, notwithstanding exceedingly ingenious hypothesis, which I plainly confess to me seem such, and those are, first, that if light be, as is affirmed, Dioptrix, chapter 1, section 8, not so properly a motion as an action or propension to motion, I cannot conceive how the eye can come to be sensible of the verticity of a globule, which is generated in a drop of rain, perhaps a mile off from it. For that globule is not carried to the eye according to his formerly recited principle. And if not so, I cannot conceive how it can communicate its rotation or circular motion to the line of the globules between the drop and the eye. It cannot be by means of every one's turning the next before him. For if so, then only all the globules that are in the odd places must be turned the same way with the first, 
namely the three, five, seven, nine, eleven, etc., but all the globules interposited between them in the even places, namely the two, four, six, eight, ten, etc., must be the quite contrary, whence, according to the Cartesian hypothesis, there must be no distinct color generated, but a confusion. Next, since the Cartesian globuli are supposed, Principiorum Philosophy, Part 3, Section 86, to be each of them continually in motion about their centers, I cannot conceive how the eye is able to distinguish this new generated motion from their former inherent one, if I may so call that other wherewith they are moved, or turbinated, from some other cause than refraction. And thirdly, I cannot conceive how these motions should not happen sometimes to oppose each other, and then, instead of a rotation, there would be nothing but a direct motion generated, and consequently no color. And fourthly, I cannot conceive how by the Cartesian hypothesis it is possible to give any plausible reason of the nature of the colors generated in the thin laminae of these are microscopial observations. For in many of these, the refracting and reflecting surfaces are parallel to each other, and consequently no rotation can be generated, nor is there any necessity of a shadow or termination of the bright rays, such as is supposed, chapter 8, section 5, at preteria observavi umbram quoque, aut limitationum luminis recuri, and chapter 8, section 9, to be necessary to the generation of any distinct colors. Besides that, here is oftentimes one color generated without any of the other appendant ones, which cannot be by the Cartesian hypothesis. There must be therefore some other propriety of refraction that causes color, and upon the examination of the thing, I cannot conceive any one more general, inseparable, and sufficient than that which I have before assigned. That we may therefore see how exactly our hypothesis agrees also with the phenomena of the refracting round body, whether globe or cylinder, we shall next subjoin our calculation or examine of it. And to this end, we will calculate any two rays, as for instance, let EF be a ray cutting the radius CD, divided into 20 parts, in G, 16 parts distant from C, and lowercase EF, another ray, which cuts the same radius in lowercase g, 17 parts distant. These will be refracted to k and lowercase k, and from thence reflected to n and lowercase n, and from thence refracted toward p and lowercase p. Therefore the arch f lowercase f will be 5 degrees 5 minutes. The arch f k 106 degrees 30 minutes the arch lowercase f lowercase k, 101 degrees 2 minutes, the line fg, 6,000, and lowercase fg, 5,267, therefore lowercase hf, 733, therefore f lowercase c, 980, almost. The line fk, 16,024, and lowercase fk, 
15,436. Therefore, N, lowercase d, 196, and lowercase n, o, 147 almost, the line N, lowercase n, 1019, the arch N, lowercase n, 5 degrees 51 minutes. Therefore, the angle N, lowercase n, lowercase o, is 34 degrees 43 minutes. Therefore, the angle N, lowercase o, lowercase n, is 139 degrees 56 minutes, which is almost 50 degrees more than a right angle. It is evident, therefore, by this hypothesis, that at the same time that lowercase ef touches lowercase f, ef is arrived at lowercase c, and by that time, lowercase efkn is got to lowercase n, efkn is got to lowercase d, and when it touches n, the pulse of the other ray is got to lowercase o, and no farther, which is very short of the place it should have arrived to, to make the ray, lowercase np, to cut the orbicular pulse, n lowercase o, at right angles. Therefore the angle, n lowercase op, is an acute angle, but the quite contrary of this will happen, if 17 and 18 be calculated instead of 16 and 17, both which does most exactly agree with the phenomena for if the sun or a candle which is better be placed about e lowercase e and the i about p lowercase p the rays ef lowercase ef at sixteen and seventeen will paint the side of the luminous object toward lowercase np blue and towards uppercase np red but the quite contrary will happen when ef is seventeen and lowercase ef eighteen for then towards np shall be a blue and towards lowercase np a red exactly according to the calculation and there appears the blue of the rainbow where the two blue sides of the two images unite and there the red where the two red sides unite that is where the two images are just disappearing, which is, when the rays EF and NP produced till they meet, like an angle of about forty-one and a half. The like union is there of the two images in the production of the secondary iris, and the same causes as upon calculation may appear, only with this difference, that it is somewhat more faint by reason of the duplicate reflection, which does always weaken the impulse the oftener it is repeated. Now, though the second refraction made at n lowercase n be convenient, that is, do make the rays glance the more, yet is it not altogether requisite, for it is plain from the calculation that the pulse dn is sufficiently oblique to the rays kn and lowercase kn, as well as the pulse FC is oblique to the rays FK and lowercase FK. And therefore, if a piece of very fine paper be held close against NN, and the eye look on it either through the ball as from D, or from the other side as from B, there shall appear a rainbow or colored line painted on it with the part toward X appearing red, towards O blue. The same also shall happen if the paper be placed about KK, 
for towards t shall appear a red and towards v a blue which does exactly agree with this my hypothesis as upon the calculation of the progress of the pulse will most easily appear nor do these two observations of the colours appearing to the eye about p differing from what they appear on the paper at n contradict each other but rather confirm and exactly agree with one another as will be evident to him that examines the reasons set down by the ingenious descartes in the twelfth section of the eighth chapter of his meteors where he gives the true reason why the colours appear of quite contrary order to the eye to what they appeared on the paper if the eye be placed instead of the paper and as in the prism so also in the water drop or globe the phenomena and the reason are much the same having therefore shown that there is such a propriety in the prism and water globule whereby the pulse is made oblique to the progressive and that so much the more by how much greater the refraction is i shall in the next place consider how this conduces to the production of colours and what kind of impression it makes upon the bottom of the eye and to this end it will be requisite to examine this hypothesis a little more particularly first therefore if we consider the manner of the progress of the pulse it will seem rational to conclude that that part or end of the pulse which precedes the other must necessarily be somewhat more obtunded or impeded by the resistance of the transparent medium than the other part or end of it which is subsequent whose ray is as it were prepared by the other especially if the adjacent medium be not in the same manner enlightened or agitated and therefore in the fourth figure of the sixth iconism the ray aaahb will have its side h h more deadened by the resistance of the dark or quiet medium p p p whence there will be a kind of deadness superinduced on the side h h h which will continually decrease from b and strike deeper and deeper into the ray by the line b r whence all the parts of the triangle r b h o will be of a dead blue colour and so much the deeper by how much the nearer they lie to the line bhh which is most deaded or impeded and so much more dilute by how much the nearer it approaches the line br next on the other side of the ray aan the end a of the pulse ah will be promoted or made stronger having its passage already prepared as twere by the other parts preceding and so its impression will be stronger and because of its obliquity to the ray there will be propagated a kind of faint motion into q q the adjacent dark or quiet medium which faint motion will spread further and further into q q as the ray is propagated further and further from a namely as far as the line m a whence all the triangle m a n will be tinged with a red and that red will be the deeper the nearer it approaches the line ma and the paler or yellower the nearer it is the line na and if the ray be continued so that the lines an and br which are the bounds of the red and blue diluted do meet and cross each other 
there will be beyond that intersection generated all kinds of greens now these being the proprieties of every single refracted ray of light it will be easy enough to consider what must be the result of very many such rays collateral as if we suppose infinite such rays interjacent between a k s b and a n o b which arc the terminating for in this case the ray a k s b will have its red triangle entire as lying next to the dark or quiet medium but the other side of it b s will have no blue because the medium adjacent to it s b o is moved or enlightened and consequently that light does destroy the color so likewise will the ray a n o b lose its red because the adjacent medium is moved or enlightened but the other side of the ray that is adjacent to the dark namely a h o will preserve its blue entire and these rays must be so far produced as till a n and b r cut each other before there will be any green produced from these proprieties well considered may be deduced the reasons of all the phenomena of the prism and of the globules or drops of water which conduce to the production of the rainbow next for the impression they make on the retina we will further examine this hypothesis suppose therefore a b c d e f in the fifth figure to represent the ball of the eye on the cornea of which a b c two rays g a c h and k c a i which are the terminating rays of a luminous body falling are by the refraction thereof collected or converged into two points at the bottom of the eye now because these terminating rays and all the intermediate ones which come from any part of the luminous body are supposed by some sufficient refraction before they enter the eye to have their pulses made oblique to their progression and consequently each ray to have potentially superinduced two properties or colors that is a red on one side and a blue on the other notwithstanding are never fully manifest but when this or that ray has one or the other side of it bordering on a dark or unmoved medium therefore as soon as these rays are entered into the eye and so have one side of each of them bordering on a dark part of the humors of the eye they will each of them equally exhibit some color therefore a d c in the production of g a c h will exhibit a blue because the side c d is adjacent to the dark medium c q d c but nothing of a red because its side a d is adjacent to the enlightened medium a d f a and all the rays that from the points of the luminous body are collected on the parts of the retina between d and f shall have their blue so much the more diluted by how much the farther these points of collection are distant from d towards f and the ray a f c the production of k c a i will exhibit a red because the side a f is adjacent to the dark or quiet medium of the eye a p f a but nothing of the blue because its side c f is adjacent to the enlightened medium c f d c and all the rays from the intermediate parts of the luminous body that are collected between f and d 
shall have their red so much the more diluted by how much the farther they are distant from f towards d now because by the refraction in the cornea and some other parts of the eye the sides of each ray which before were almost parallel are made to converge and meet in a point at the bottom of the eye therefore that side of the pulse which proceeded before these refractions shall first touch the retina and the other side last and therefore according as this or that side or end of the pulse shall be impeded accordingly will the impressions on the retina be varied therefore the ray gach refracted by the cornea to d there shall be on that point a stroke or impression confused whose weakest end namely that by the line cd shall proceed and the stronger namely that by the line ad shall follow and by the ray kcai refracted to f there shall be on that part a confused stroke or impression whose strongest part namely that by the line cf shall proceed and those weakest or impeded namely that by the line af shall follow and all the intermediate points between f and d shall receive impressions from the converged rays so much the more like the impressions on f and d by how much the nearer they approach that or this from the consideration of the proprieties of which impressions we may collect these short definitions of colors that blue is an impression on the retina of an oblique and confused pulse of light whose weakest part proceeds and whose strongest follows and that red is an impression on the retina of an oblique and confused pulse of light whose strongest part proceeds and whose weakest follows which proprieties as they have been already manifested in the prism and falling drops of rain to be the causes of the colours where generated may be easily found to be the efficients also of the colours appearing in thin laminated transparent bodies for the explication of which all this has been premised and that this is so a little closer examination of the phenomena and the figure of the body by this hypothesis will make evident for first as we have already observed the laminated body must be of a determinate thickness that is it must not be thinner than such a determinate quantity for i have always observed that near the edges of those which are exceeding thin the colours disappear and the part grows white nor must it be thicker than another determinate quantity for i have likewise observed that beyond such a thickness no colours appeared but the plate looked white between which two determinate thicknesses were all the coloured rings of which in some substances i have found ten or twelve in others not half so many which i suppose depends much upon the transparency of the laminated body thus through the consecutions are the same in the scum or the skin on the top of metals yet in those consecutions in the same colour is not so often repeated as the consecutions in thin glass or in soap water or any other transparent and glutinous liquor for in these i have observed red yellow green blue purple red yellow green blue purple red yellow green blue purple 
red, yellow, etc., to succeed each other ten or twelve times, but in the other more opacious bodies the consecutions will not be half so many. And therefore, secondly, the laminated body must be transparent, and this I argue from this, that I have not been able to produce any color at all with an opacious body, though never so thin. And this I have often tried, by pressing small globule of mercury between two smooth plates of glass, whereby I have reduced that body to a much greater thinness than was requisite to exhibit the colors with a transparent body. Thirdly, there must be a considerable reflecting body adjacent to the under or further side of the lamina or plate. For this I always found, that the greater that reflection was, the more vivid were the appearing colors. From which observations is most evident, that the reflection from the under or further side of the body is the principal cause of the production of these colors, which, that it is so, and how it conduces to that effect, I shall further explain in the following figure, which is here described of a very great thickness, as if it had been viewed through the microscope, and tis indeed much thicker than any microscope I have yet used, has been able to show me those colored plates of glass, or Muscovy glass, which I have not without much trouble viewed with it, for though I have endeavored to magnify them as much as the glasses were capable of, yet are they so exceeding thin, that I have not hitherto been able positively to determine their thickness. This figure, therefore, I here represent, is wholly hypothetical. Let ABCDHFE, in the sixth figure, be a frustum of Muscovy glass, thinner toward the end AE, and thicker towards DF. Let us first suppose the ray, AGHB, coming from the sun or some remote luminous object, to fall obliquely on the thinner plate BAE, part therefore is reflected back by CGHD, the first superficies, whereby the perpendicular pulse AB is after reflection propagated by CD, CD, equally remote from each other with AB, AB, so that AG plus GC, or BH plus HD, are either of them equal to AA, as is also CC, but the body BAE being transparent, a part of the light of this ray is refracted in the surface AB, and propagated by GIKH to the surface EF, whence it is reflected and refracted again by the surface AB. So that after the two refractions, and one reflection, there is propagated a kind of fainter ray, EMNF, whose pulse is not only weaker by reason of the two refractions in the surface AB, but by reason of the time spent in passing and repassing between the two surfaces AB and EF. EF, which is this fainter or weaker pulse, comes behind the pulse CD, so that hereby, the surfaces AB and EF being so near together so that the eye cannot discriminate them from one, this confused or duplicated pulse, whose strongest part proceeds and whose weakest follows, does produce on the retina, or the optic nerve that covers the bottom of the eye, 
the sensation of a yellow and secondly this yellow will appear so much the deeper by how much the further back towards the middle between cd and cd the spurious pulse ef is removed as in two where the surface bc being further removed from ef the weaker pulse ef will be nearer to the middle and will make an impression on the eye of a red but thirdly if the two reflecting surfaces be yet further removed asunder as in three c d and e f r then will the weaker pulse be so far behind that it will be more than half the distance between c d and c d and in this case it will rather seem to precede the following stronger pulse than to follow the preceding one and consequently a blue will be generated and when the weaker pulse is just in the middle between two strong ones then is a deep and lovely purple generated but when the weaker pulse e f is very near to c d then there is generated a green which will be bluer or yellower according as the approximate weak pulse does proceed or follow the stronger now fourthly if the thicker plate chance to be cleft into two thinner plates as c d f e is divided into two plates by the surface g h then from the composition arising from the three reflections in the surfaces c d g h and e f there will be generated several compounded or mixed colors which will be very differing according as the proportion between the thicknesses of those two divided plates c d h g and g h f e are varied and fifthly if these surfaces c d and f e are further removed asunder the weaker pulse will yet lag behind much further and not only be coincident with the second c d but lag behind that also and that so much the more by how much the thicker the plate be so that by degrees it will be coincident with the third c d backward also and by degrees as the plate grows thicker with a fourth and so onward to a fifth sixth seventh or eighth so that if there be a thin transparent body that from the greatest thinness requisite to produce colours does in the manner of a wedge by degrees grow to the greatest thickness that a plate can be of to exhibit a colour by the reflection of light from such a body there shall be generated several consecutions of colours whose order from the thin end towards the thick shall be yellow red purple blue green yellow red purple blue green yellow red purple blue green yellow etc and these so often repeated as the weaker pulse does lose paces with its primary or first pulse and its coincident with a second third fourth fifth sixth etc pulse behind the first and this as it is coincident or follows from the first hypothesis i took of colours so upon experiment have i found it in multitudes of instances that seem to prove it one thing which seems of the greatest concern in this hypothesis is to determine the greatest or least thicknesses requisite for these effects which though i have not been wanting in attempting yet so exceeding thin are these coloured plates and so imperfect our microscope that i have not been hitherto successful 
though if my endeavours shall answer my expectations, I shall hope to gratify the curious reader with some things more removed beyond our reach hitherto. Thus have I, with as much brevity as I was able, endeavoured to explicate, hypothetically at least, the causes of the phenomena I formerly recited, on the consideration of which I have been the more particular. First, because I think these I have newly given are capable of explicating all the phenomena of colours, not only of those appearing in the prism, water-drop, or rainbow, and in laminated or plated bodies, but of all that are in the world, whether they be fluid or solid bodies, whether in thick or thin, whether transparent or seemingly opacious, as I shall in the next observation further endeavour to show. And secondly, because this being one of the two ornaments of all bodies discoverable by the sight, whether looked on with or without a microscope, it seemed to deserve, somewhere in this tract, which contains a description of the figure and colour of some minute bodies, to be somewhat the more intimately inquired into. End of section 14